Our first reading today comes from the end of the book of Job. Job has finally had his encounter with God in the whirlwind, and this is his response. Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, 16 and 17. Then Job answered the Lord, I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children four generations. And Job died old and full of days. This is the word of the Lord. through all the length 
Our second lesson this morning comes to us from the beginning stories in Genesis. And as we go to these stories, I invite you to imagine that they're not about some historical first family, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, but they're about us. They're stories about the human condition, about what it means to be human, about the reality of the world in which we live, the deep truths of our lives that we're constantly engaging and encountering. So listen for God's word, not only for us, but God's word that shapes the world in which we live. Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock, the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Growing up in the evening, we would often gather as kids in the neighborhood and make up games. All sorts of games, but as we made up the games, we began by establishing the rules of the game. Whose house was out of bounds, what was in bounds, what was not acceptable, what trees you could climb, what trees you couldn't climb. And then we would start playing the game, whatever it was, hide and seek, kick the can. And we would play and play until somebody broke a rule. And then we would all gather and have to have a conversation about what had just happened because, you know, the rules changed by who was there. And somebody would say, well, that's what we did last night. And finally, somebody would shout, it's not fair. It's not fair. Well, those three words have been on my mind a lot recently. It's not fair. As we gathered here for worship last week, we got the news about the death of Jack Swan tragically, and I was thinking, it's not fair. And then we learned of the death of Isabella Garcia and three other young people traveling home in a car, and I said to myself, it's not fair. This had come on top of an email I had received the day before where the guy who I had literally played golf with three weeks before died of a sudden heart attack at 61 years old. And we were just talking about his retirement and what his plans were. And I said, it's not fair. And as I was thinking about that, it 
was not that it's some kind of perception or some kind of my understanding of reality, but there is really tragedy that happens in our lives and in the world. There are real moments where we as individuals or we as a community or we as a people simply look at life and say it's not fair. Cain and Abel are a story not about some historical first people, but a story about life. And they grow up and Cain becomes a tender of wheat and fields and plants and Abel becomes a tender of animals and they bring an offering before God. Both of them bringing something that was meaningful to them and placing it before God and for some reason and it's not that God like me loves a good piece of meat one is accepted and one is not. Imagine if you have two children and they both bring a picture that they made in school, home. One goes up on the refrigerator and the other goes in a drawer somewhere. The child's response is going to be, that's not fair. Why? And so Cain's response is simply, it's not fair. He gets all mad and upset. Why? His countenance, as the scripture says, falls. And he wonders, why? What's going on? And so God calls Cain in and basically says something like this. Cain, life's not fair. It's just not fair. So what are you going to do? If you do good, then good things can happen. But if you do evil, sin is just waiting and crouching at the door to devour and pounce upon you. So Cain, what are you going to do when you realize life is not fair? You could do good. And good things might happen. Or you can be bitter and angry and take it out on the people around you and sin is just waiting to devour you and those around you. And you know how the story goes. Cain does not choose wisely and chooses poorly. But I think that story is there at the beginning of Genesis because Genesis is trying to tell all of us life is simply at times unfair. So what are you going to do? When you face the unfairness of life, what are you going to do? Are you going to choose to continue to work for the good? And good things could come out of that? Or are you going to choose 
to do wrong or to, to become bitter and sin is just waiting to multiply because of that. This week on Tuesday, as we gathered for staff, Jen, Pastor Jen brought a devotional, and it kind of speaks to the situation. It was about a woman who woke up one morning, and she had three hairs on her head as she looked in the mirror, and she said, wow, I think I'll braid my hair today. And she had a beautiful day. The next day, she woke up, and she had two hairs on her head. And she said, wow, I think I'll part my hair in the middle today. And she had a wonderful day. The next day she woke up and she had one hair on her head and she said, wow, I think I'll wear my hair in a ponytail today. And she had a wonderful day. And the final day she woke up and she had no hairs on her head, and she said, good, I was running out of things to do with my hair. <laughs> and she had a wonderful, wonderful day. And the devotion ends with attitude is everything. How we respond to the challenges or the lack of hair in our lives is everything. Attitude is important. And we find that also in the biblical story of Job. But I think it's important for us to remember that it's more than just attitude. Because in some sense, that's saying to somebody who's hurting and grieving and dealing with the unfairness of life, just cheer up. Just, it's okay, just cheer up. It's your fault that you don't feel no, the scriptures don't place that solely on us. But they tell us something about the God who is there with us. And that's where Job comes in. You see, if anybody can make a claim that life is unfair, Job can. He's lost his family. He's lost his extended family. He's lost all of his possessions. He's lost his health. He even has lost all that matters to him. And he finds himself sitting on an ash heap with three friends who come to him. They're quiet for a while, but then they begin to speak and they are saying things like, You know, Job, everything happens for a reason. There's some kind of plan that is going on in your life and Job keeps saying no no everything doesn't happen for a reason God needs to come and talk to me there is not some sort of plan and the friends keep going no Job you know because there's some hidden sin there's something you did wrong at some place all these bad things have happened for you it's it's the plan that is laid out for you. And Job keeps saying, no. No, this isn't fair. And finally, after 37 chapters, Job's friends shut up. And God comes. And God 
doesn't look at Job and say, you know, Job, there is this plan. It's my plan. It's so far above you, you'll never understand it. Because realize when we say something like that to somebody who is experiencing the tragedy in their life, what we're saying is, is that somehow God has a plan that the death of your young child is a good. In some large scheme, that's good. Friends, in any world, in any place, on any level, the death of a child is not good. And for us to say that our God is a God who can somehow explain that away is not good. So that's not what God says to Job. God just talks to Job about God being present, about God being there, that there is nothing that God can't take and work God's goodness out, that God has created this creation that has freedom and things can happen, but nothing can happen that God can't continue to figure out a way to weave hope and love and mercy and grace and goodness. And Job, finally at the very end, says, wow. I've uttered things I didn't understand. I've, I've said stuff that I didn't comprehend. And I'm not sure I understand it all now, but... God, I know you are there. Then at the very end of the book of Job, there's this interesting thing that Job lives 140 years after this encounter, and he has children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The text lets us know a hundred and, well, lets us know four generations. And the rabbis say that's interesting it's interesting that Job, at the end of it, lives a good life after all that has gone on. And the rabbis say what's interesting is that even in the face of the mystery, even in the face of the unknown, even in the face of the realization that at times life is not fair, Job trusts God enough to bring a child into the world. Even in the face of the brokenness and the evil and all that had happened, even in the face of all the uncertainty, Job trusts God enough to bring a child like Hank into the world. Eugene Peterson and his well, it's actually not Eugene Peterson. It's Brian McLaren in a wonderful book, Naked Spirituality. talks about when bad things happen. It's not about us making meaning by looking into the past and trying to explain why they happened. We simply can't. Sometimes life is simply not fair. But we can join God in making meaning by what we do going forward. 
We can join God in making meaning, being co-creators in God's world by how we respond to the tragedies in our lives and the lives of others. And so we end back up with Cain standing before God, and it's us standing before God. In those moments when life is not fair. And we wish God would say, there's some grand scheme and there's some grand plan. And, but sometimes God simply looks at us and says, you know what, Tom? You're right. Life's not fair. So what are you going to do? If you do good, I will work with you as I promised through Paul the Apostle that all things can work for good for those who trust in God. But if you do evil, sin is crouching at the door ready to devour you and devour all those around you. So, life is not fair. What are we going to do about it?